Welcome to the City Life Podcast. I'm Tim Woody, the pastor of City Life Church in downtown Fort Worth. There is purpose for your life. There's a destiny you have yet to walk into, and there is hope regardless of what you're facing today. I encourage you to open your heart now to what God will be speaking to you over these next few minutes. And now let me let, let's welcome once I say it every time because I mean it the finest pastor in the city of Fort Worth, Pastor oh, Tim Woody. Thank you guys, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Love y'all. Hey, I, I liked your 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 tips on on uh, on marriage. That, that was that was great. Thank you. See, I like it because when when John comes up here, he's just going to add a bunch of extra stuff. That's just that's just extra. I like it. Also, just John, I just want to thank you for your sensitivity. One of the things that if you're not here, like right at the beginning of the service, we have five minutes of prayer. We call it our pre-service prayer time. We all come in here, and it's it's kind of our, our rallying cry when we come together, and we we pray through some prayer points, and and uh, and we do that every week. And it goes out live as well. But our elders lead that. And so el- different elders volunteer to, to, to lead that. John led it today. And it's interesting, John, because I wanted to, to pray over a few items here before I started with the sermon. But actually, you hit all my prayer points. So thank you. Thank you, especially just for praying for uh, you know for, for this new COVID strain and, and people who are suffering from it. Pray for protection and healing and health for those in our congregation as well. As, as the community. And, and another thing, uh, we, we just, I, I just encourage you, just like John led us earlier in prayer, continue praying for the Christians in Afghanistan. They are under severe persecution. It's not covered very much in the media, but they are going door to door looking for Christians and they are executing them. And, uh, and these people are, you know, some people in the United States talk about oppression. I'll tell you what, that's oppression right there. That's oppression. And it's, it's horrible what's happening over there. We need to pray for them. I, I'm, I'm glad to say I have contacted the people that, of the organization that I'm a part of, the Assemblies of God, and all of our missionaries, missionary associates, everyone who works with missions, they sensed what was happening, kind of unlike the government, but they sensed what was happening and they all got out. So all of the Americans that were over there were able to get out, and I'm glad for that. And, and so they are all safe, all of the missionary workers that I would be affiliated with. And I'm grateful to God for that. I'm just grateful that they had the sensitivity to know what was about to happen and what was coming down. Uh, but, uh, but I want us to keep praying. Just keep praying. Please keep praying. Every time you see something about the, you know, the, what's happening in Afghanistan, please pray for the Christians. Pray for the believers and pray for the Americans who are basically stuck there right now. And uh, pray, pray for their protection and for God to God to wrap his arms around them. Also, just want to let you know that if, if you're a lady here and you have, you have not yet taken a look at the City Life app in a week or so, there's a women's night coming up on Saturday, excuse me, on Friday, September 17th, and it's going to be fun for the ladies. I, I was thinking we should have like a, a com- competitive guys night and we could we could just do the same thing, but some of y'all would be babysitting kids and that would be a little bad, but uh, but we, we need to go ahead and just plan a guys night at, at, at the same time, we, or maybe the next week, all right? We'll, we'll talk about that later, but but hey, please go and check that out on City Life app. Get your tickets now. Go ahead and begin to get set up for that. Mark it on your calendar so that September 17th doesn't sneak up on you too quick, all right? Well, hey, get your Bibles open. I have two locations I'd like for you to find today. One is the book of Exodus, Exodus 34, verse 1. 
and the other is Galatians chapter 5, verse 22. Uh, Exodus 34, verse 1 is where we're starting. So, uh, so let's, let's, let's dive into that here in just a second. Also, while you're finding that, Exodus 34, Galatians 5.22, our, our, uh, our sermon title for the day is God is Faithful. God is faithful. So jot that down, get ready to take some notes. I'm praying God's going to speak to you today. In fact, God, I pray for a spirit of revelation in the house. I pray that you will reveal your, your mind, your, your desire, your, what you want for your people to receive out of this. God, I pray that you will custom design the words that I'm saying because they're not Tim's words. These are the words of the Holy Spirit, I believe. And you will take these words and you will speak directly to situations and, and that people will leave here free and, 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 and walking in new liberty and life and joy and faithfulness as they hear the word of God and apply it to their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the things that I do when I preach is, is, is I, you know, there's a, there's a time of prayer and preparation and I do research and study. But, but one of the things I always want to do is I want to take you beyond head knowledge and, and so that it will go to your heart. In fact, one of the things that, that John was praying earlier today, it was about we have the, this, this knowledge that will, that will come to us that will help us in our walk with God. Absolutely. And, and I like the way he put it because it's not just head knowledge. It's not just data. You can go to the internet and get data, okay? Uh, this is the, this, is the this, this time in our world, there's so much data floating around, we get tired of it. I mean, it's, it's, we, some of us have an addiction to just information and data. But this is more than information to the head. This is something that transforms the heart, and that's what I'm asking for. I'm, I'm asking God for heart transformation so that we will have the knowledge in our heart that will produce the change that God wants in us as individuals, because God is faithful. Well, this is a sermon series on the character traits of God, and next week I'll be wrapping this up with one final character trait, but, but as we look through these character traits of God, uh, we, we really have to go back to where it began, Exodus chapter 34. When Moses had come down off the mountain, he got angry and he started acting out because the people were worshiping an idol. And he threw a fit. He took the Ten Commandments and smashed them. I mean, could you imagine that moment? That, that was like, it was, it was very strange. Very strange. He, Moses had a temper. I mean, he had a bad temper. So any of you who have a temper know that there's, there's a great saint in the Bible who had one too, but God had to deal with him. He had this temper. He smashed the Ten Commandments, and then there was the idol that was there, and they had made it out of gold. And so what he did is he made them grind up the idol and which is gold. He made it grind it up and, and uh, get it down to basically gold dust, the smallest pieces of gold possible, and then forced the people, mixed it with water, and forced the people all to drink of it. And so they had to drink that. And there's a reason for that, because Moses was so angry, he said, we're going to get rid of this gold, we're going to make it never come back, because what happens? It goes through your system, and it's going to end up in the hole. It's going to end up coming out your body, you know, and it's going to end up in a hole in the ground. So that go, there's gold scattered somewhere in the Middle East, a whole lot of it. Please do not go searching for it. I don't think that's a good idea. But you see, that was how he responded to that. Well, I, I believe what I see, there's a, there's a little bit of a nuance here where God calls him back up to the mountain because God's saying, you know what? You really reacted here, and you did some things that are not equal to my character. And I want you to learn my character, and I want got my people to learn my character because I want you guys to have the same character. 
And so we pick this up. Exodus 34, verse 1, he's about ready to hike back up the mountain. The Lord said to Moses, chisel out two stone tablets like the first ones, and I will write on them the words that were on the first tablets which you broke. Be ready in the morning, and then come up on Mount Sinai. Present yourself to me there on top of the mountain. No one is to come with you or be seen anywhere on the mountain. Not even the flocks or herds may graze in front of the mountain. So Moses chiseled out two stone tablets like the first ones and went up Mount Sinai early in the morning as the Lord had commanded him and carried, and he carried the two stone tablets in his hands. And then the Lord came down in a cloud. Can you imagine this? <laughs> and stood there with him and proclaimed his name. Now this is different than what happened the first time. So now God comes and says, I want to let you know who I am. You really need to understand who I am. And church, this is what God's saying to us right now. As he passed in front of Moses, proclaiming the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness, maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sin of the parents to the third and fourth generation. And Moses bowed to the ground at once and worshiped. He realized, wow, what an awesome God we really serve. And I'm telling you, church, what an awesome God we really, really serve. Some of you have been through some dark trials, some dark times in your life. I know so many of your stories of how the enemy has just tried to destroy you, just literally rip you apart and destroy you, whether it's through relationships, physical issues, whether it's through business or financial issues, just tried to destroy you. But God has his hand on you, and you're here. And God has been faithful to you. And he will continue to be faithful. All he asks in return is that you be faithful back to him. And that you show that faithfulness to other people. Now when I say God is faithful, I mean, what does that mean? Now I know that one of the things that tends to come to our minds was, well, that means God is like my genie. <laughs> Whatever I say, God's going to do. If I say, hey, God, do this, do this, jump here, do that. No, I, I want to let you know, when I'm talking today about God being faithful, it has nothing to do with God is your genie. God is not going to just do whatever you tell him to do, okay? So kind of push that out of your mind, and then I want you to open your up to what being faithful really means. So what I did is I took a look at the original word where God, the word God used when he said that he is faithful there to Moses. And it is the Hebrew term emet, E-M-E-T, emet. And this Hebrew term, it means, it means faithfulness, of course. <laughs> it also means truth. It has some other meanings to it because it's a broad term. It doesn't just mean faithful. It means stability, reliability. God is stable. God is reliable. Catch these, catch these truths here. And it, means, it also means one who has a steady character. Your character is steady. You're not going to change your character. 
you are who you are who you are. You have a steady character. And it also means trustworthiness. So you can trust God. So this word faithfulness, emet, emet. I, 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 I shy away again today from using just the word faithful because we tend to, to make that such a small word. But I want to use this word emet a little bit today. It is faithfulness, it's truth, it's stability, it's reliability, it's steady character, it's trustworthiness. Now, this word is actually very uh, similar to a word that we use a lot. We've used it already this morning. Do you realize that we speak Hebrew in here from time to time? In fact, you've spoken Hebrew most of your life. There's one word in Hebrew that, uh, that we all use a lot, and it is the word amen, A-M-E-N, amen. And that is, uh, that is very closely linked to this word amet. So amen, amen, what that means is when we say it, that means so be it. That's the truth. This is, this is rock solid. We can depend on this. So like when we pray and we say amen, we can wrap it up. It's like tying a bow on top saying what's done is done and, and God's going to take care of this. So, so that's, it's very, very similar to the word amen, which is Emet. And uh, emet, it, it refers to, like I said, stability and reliability. Uh, when Moses was, uh, Moses and the children of Israel were in a battle, and, and God's, God you know, had him raise his hands. And as long as Moses' hands were raised, they were winning the battle. But whenever his hands dropped, the, the battle started to be lost. And so he kept, had to keep his hands up. But he couldn't continue to do that, and it didn't work. So they brought this big rock, and they put it under him. And then two men came and, and lifted his hands for him and held him. And so that represents Emet. That is that stability. He is now stable. He's no longer wavering. He's no longer just uh, out of out of strength because there are, there are people there and there's the stone there. So that is a mech. So, so in, in a sense, what it, what's saying here is God is like that. God is like a rock of stability. That's what it means to be faithful. He is a rock of stability. And I'm telling you what, God calls us to be the same, all right? And that also refers to being reliable or having a steady character. It means trustworthiness. Like in Exodus chapter 18, verse 21, Moses, he, he appointed leaders over all the people. But one of the character traits that he looked for in the people who were to be leaders, and this is a character trait that the church still looks for in leaders, is people who are in that which means trustworthy. In other words, people who don't take bribes or distort justice, right? That, that's what we look for in leaders. And so when we say that God is full of emet, that means God tells the truth. It means God is faithful. God is trustworthy, and he's not going to be wavered by anything else that's going on. Now, that's, that's pretty awesome. That's a pretty awesome trait of God. That's why God says, you know, Mo, that's why Moses said God is like a rock, and he's faithful, and he's just, and he's upright, he's trustworthy. God can be depended upon to be consistent no matter what is going on. He is consistent. His character doesn't change. Now, the first person in the Bible that declared that God could be trusted or God could be, we could emit God, it was Abraham, because God told Abraham that he was going to have this huge 
family that would, uh, that would actually, and from this family, there would be the, the redeemer of mankind, which was Jesus Christ. And the, the huge family, of course, I think you know, is the children of Israel. It's the nation of Israel. But God promised Abraham he was going to have this, this huge family, and through his family, all nations would be blessed. In fact, that word nations literally means people groups. So people of all groups, there is no discrimination with, a, with the body of Christ, with the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus was shed for everybody, everyone. So we can all engage with that through this promise that was given to Abraham. But you see, here's a problem. Abraham and Sarah, they couldn't have a baby. So how in the world are they going to be a great nation if they can't even have a baby? But in Genesis chapter 15, verse 6, Abraham chooses to enter into emet with God. And that means he begins to trust God that God's going to open up Sarah's womb. And God does. And so God then shows his emet to Abraham and to Sarah. And they're, they're, they're a child is born. And, and it's, it's a beautiful, beautiful story. You can read about it in the book of Genesis. But God just continued to grow. And after three generations, it literally became, their family literally became a nation. God also then later on invited the children of Israel into a relationship of Emmet. And this is when they were in Egypt and they were about to leave Egypt and go into the wilderness and then, and then, then take, take their, their promised land. So when God led them out of Egypt in Exodus 14.31, when God led them out of Egypt, he led them into this relationship of Emmet where God will Emmet toward his people, and we will do the same toward him. And then the natural response is for us to do this toward each other. So, they, so what happens is the people of God begin to trust and rely on God. And whenever they didn't, things begin to fall apart for them. Read the book of Exodus, Numbers, it's all there of when things would begin to disintegrate, when people would stop trusting God because they got scared. Things didn't look good. Something looked really bad. I don't know about this. Can we really trust God? Did we miss God? I don't know. And so, so if, for example, when they came to the, tr- to the promised land, God said, go in and you're going to take this land. Well, they went in, they sent in 12 spies, but they didn't, these spies, only two of them emitted God. Only two of them trusted God. The rest didn't. And they came back and brought this bad report. And, and so, so what happened as a result of that, because they didn't trust in God, they didn't feel that God was going to be rock solid. They didn't think God was going to come through for them. What happened is God then said, okay, fine. You're going to have to pay the penalty for this. So I'm going to raise up a whole new generation who's going to do this. He sent them back into the wilderness for another 38 years to wander. All of the people except the two who trusted in God, who emitted with God, those are the only two who actually got to walk back into the promised land and take it. The rest all died in the wilderness. So, you know, there is this conflict. And what we see in the Old Testament, we see this conflict between, I can I trust God? Oh, I'm afraid. I don't know. And then, and then if you don't, there's a setback. If you do, you're in the blessing. You're walking in the presence of God. Now, eventually, we do find this Israelite who totally emits in God. And his name is David. And what he did is he got right in the face of a giant. Uh, in fact, David... He saw God as faithful. He says, God, you are faithful. And so he responded with faithfulness. See, he saw God as a met, so he responded with a met. So David, if you've read the scriptures, you know that the Bible says that David was a man after God's own heart. So he was a person who had the heart of God. He understood the faithfulness of God. David was rock 
solid. He was faithful. He was just. He was upright. He was trustworthy. And that's what I'm calling you to be as well. And then in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, we see that, that, that here he goes out to meet this. He's a scrawny teenager. Please understand. He is not some muscled up big guy warrior. He's about 17 years old. Now, I'm sure he had a little bit of muscle mass on him. But most 17-year-old guys are a little bit thin. And then that, that's all right. So, so he, but he's out there, and he says, I'm going to take on this guy. He takes on Goliath, who at that time was the greatest warrior ever known to man. But look how he addresses it. And this is like the Goliath that come into your life, you've got to begin to admit in God. You have to understand God's faithful to me. I'm going to be faithful to God. But look how he responds. First Samuel chapter 17, verse 45, put it on the screens. It says, David said to the Philistine, you come against me with the sword, spear, and javelin. Hold right there. If someone is coming after you with a sword, with a spear, and a javelin, and he didn't even carry all those. He had an assistant carrying some of that, his, his armor boy. I mean, can you imagine? If someone's coming at you like that, what are you going to do? <laughs> I'm out of here. I'm gone. I'm running. I'm, I'm, I'm gone. I'm gone. I'm, I'm going to run over here. That's exactly what you do. And David has no armor. He has nothing. All he has is a sling. But he goes out there understanding that God is going to deliver. So look at this. So he says, you come against me with the sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. And that is how we deal with our obstacles. I come in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. In other words, he's saying, you, you cursed God and you defied God and things aren't gonna be looking good for you because my God is faithful. So, so David continually relied upon God. He walked in this emet of God. He became this and he was not, not, not only this way back toward God, but toward his people as well. So David was a good model of the faithfulness of God and the faithfulness of how we can, we can uh, walk our lives out as well. See, hell, the enemy, Satan, knows the power of emet. And hell wants you to not trust in God's faithfulness. The enemy wants you to not trust in, in any relationship with other people as well because other people aren't going to be faithful. And the truth is, we deal with unfaithful people all the time, but that doesn't give us an excuse to be unfaithful. So that's part of the crux that we have to live in. That's part of, of the challenge that we have to walk in. But God says, I want you to walk in this. And, and so what hell will try to do, I'm going to expose Hell's actions right now. Hell will try to intimidate you the same way Goliath tried to intimidate David and, and basically use fear to beat you down. Again, put yourself back out there on that, on that battlefield with David and Goliath. Here is a man eight feet tall. He was a giant. He was huge. He's a giant, massive man. Armor, weapons, and David... Again, a scrawny teenager. That is the image of fear coming at you, saying, you don't have a chance, buddy. You don't have a chance. But David didn't give in to it, and I'm asking you to not give in to it as well. See, David could have been afraid that, well, God's going to abandon me out here. <laughs> in fact, so many other people were thinking the same thing. King Saul... It's like, I don't know, this guy's crazy. 
How's God going to take care of this one? But he did. Guys, he did. Get it? He did. He did then, and he'll do it for you as well. But this fear of abandonment is a tool used by hell. It's used by the enemy to cause you to doubt God's faithfulness. In fact, fear is the key word here. And it's really fear of abandonment that God's going to leave you hanging. God's going to leave you hanging, and he's going to laugh at you because you did something wrong or you didn't do something quite right. And so God's just going to say, well, I'll teach you a lesson. I'm going to leave you hanging out here. Well, I want to tell you guys, God is in that. God is faithful, all right? God's not going to leave you hanging. Even though you've messed up, God isn't going to reject you. See, God never rejected the children of Israel, even though they messed up time and time and time again. He had to discipline them, but he didn't reject them. You might say, well, I'm just not good enough. Then maybe God's just, just, just done with me. Or maybe, maybe things right now are spinning so terribly out of control, you just feel like, obviously, God has abandoned me. I want to say that's, that's not the case. That fear of abandonment is what's going to suck you in to this, this world of not being a faithful person, not acknowledging the faithfulness of God, and it's going to back you into a corner. There, there are several uh, triggers for this fear of abandonment, and I just want to go through several of them real quick. And, and what I did as I was writing this out, I, was, I prayed, God, you know, I, I, I think that there are, very, there are several of you in here that are walking through things right now, and, and you haven't even really thought about what it is that causes you to, to not rely on God's faithfulness. And, and it's, it has to do with the fear of abandonment, but really we have to go a little further back to it. It's just fear in general. What is the fear that's causing you to react and to stay put, to push you into a corner to not step out in faith. So here's the first one. Fear can occur when your life is turned upside down. And that can be a trigger. That can be a trigger to get you to back away. A good example is Adam and Eve when they lost their, their innocence in the Garden of Eden. And, and their, literally their whole world was turned upside down in one day. Suddenly their eyes are open. They realized they didn't have clothes on. And, and suddenly they realized how frightening and horrible it was to be outside of the will of God. And all of a sudden their world, their entire world became unpredictable. There was chaos everywhere. So it's easy to be fearful when uh, something suddenly changes in your life, possibly because of a catastrophic event or something just comes at you and just makes you feel completely unstable. Some of you are walking through that right now, but I want to let you know God is faithful. God is faithful. But that fear, if you allow that to take over, it's going to cause you to begin to doubt God's faithfulness is going to push you into a corner. Resist it. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Here's another one. Fear can occur when you step into the unknown. When you step into the unknown, uh, that was Abraham's reality. He, uh, you know, when, you, when, when you're, everything's comfortable and nice, great, it's good. But when you have to leave the comfortable and the familiar behind and step into the unknown, this can cause your mind to race with fear. And when your mind begins to race with fear, it can cause you to rebel against God. It can cause you to, to, to drive your stakes to the ground and hide out from God. And you begin to imagine all types of things that could potentially happen. And that's a tool of the enemy to bring you away from God's faithfulness. It's instability. Here's another one. Fear can occur when you realize that you have to fight. Sometimes you've just got, you've got to deal with it. You've just got to fight. you just got to fight. Now, I'm not recommending you go out and get into a fist fight, but sometimes you've just got to fight. 
You do. You, 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 you just need to fight. Cause the enemy to back down. I'll never forget the day when I was, I was getting beat up on, I guess you could say, picked on. I wasn't really beat up. Picked on by some kid on the bus. I rode the bus out in, living in West Odessa, Texas when I was a kid, going to Pease Elementary School. Any of you guys go to Pease Elementary School? I didn't think so. Even my brothers made fun of me because of the name of the school. You go to Peas. Oh, well, I go to Carrots. You know, I was like, okay, come on. Just come. But there was this one kid on the bus that just irritated me and picked on me all the time. And, and my brother said, you know, at some point, you, if they're punching you, you've got to fight back. You've got to fight back. And so they gave me boxing gloves, and, they, and we went out, and we, we practiced boxing, and we practiced it all. It's like, man, I just, I, but I ain't going to have these gloves when I'm on, on that bus. They said, well, you just use whatever you got, and you've got you to deal with it. And one day that kid started picking at me and hammering, hitting, and hitting me. And I just realized, you know what? I've got right here in my hand a lunchbox with a thermos in it, and it's heavy because I didn't finish eating all the lunch my mom made for me today because I wasn't very hungry. So I took that lunchbox, and I turned around, and I went, go. Boom! On that kid's head. That kid never mess with me again. Now, I don't recommend that, but you know what? Sometimes you've got to fight. Sometimes you've got to fight. Kid never messed with me. In fact, the kid got back on the bus that afternoon and said, you need to feel the big bump that you put on my head. It's like, yeah, and, and, uh, and the bruises that you put on me, let's, let's, let's call it equal. Let's, let's, let's move on with life. That was before the days of bus monitors. You know, it's kind of... The wild, wild West Texas is what it was. But, but sometimes you might have a battle that you feel is overwhelming. And, and this is really how Joshua felt when he was dealing with driving out the Canaanites and taking over the land of Israel. God had given a promise 400 years earlier, 400 years earlier that this was going to be their land. And so now he's acting on a promise that he never heard with his own ears, but God spoke 400 years earlier. How in the world is all of this stuff going to work? But he goes in there, and and the truth is, Joshua was overwhelmed. Joshua was afraid. He had to fight, and the truth is, he was overwhelmed and afraid. See, when you become unstable like that, when you, when you feel like you're about ready to go into a fight, you don't know what's, what's going to happen, the truth is, a lot of times you can doubt God's faithfulness. Here's another, another time this happens, is fear can occur when you feel unworthy, or incompetent. And I think this is probably one of the biggest things the enemy uses against people. You're unworthy. You're not good enough. You're incompetent. You can't handle this. See, Moses, was, <laughs> he was actually one of the greatest leaders in the Bible. Uh, we've, we've been talking about him a little bit in this series. And, and, and the truth is, I mean, who else walked around the desert for 40 years leading 2 million people? No one, except Moses. And that's not an ordinary task. It's not an easy job. And when God told him he was going to deliver the children of Israel and he was going to take them into the desert, Moses did not jump up and down with enthusiasm. He was like, yes, God, I was looking for this challenge. I can't wait. This is so good. This is going to be awesome. No, that's not what happened. Moses said, hey, wait, 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 wait a minute, God. Um, The deliverer of Israel, I mean, I have a speech impediment. In fact, he, so he starts complaining to God about a physical issue, how he couldn't talk well. We don't know whether he stuttered, but he just says, I don't, he can't talk well. He says, great, then I'll give you someone to do the talking. Um, you know, there, there'll be someone else to help you there, and you're going to be fine. You're going to be fine. I want you to get out here and do this. I mean, and Moses is also thinking, yeah, and, and I'm also like a murderer. I killed somebody back there in Egypt, and I don't know how good this is going to work out for all of a sudden the murder suspect comes back, back into, into Egypt walking up into the Pharaoh's house. 
I don't know about that. But you see, so he felt unworthy. He wasn't good enough. And he felt like he was incompetent. And that's the same stuff the enemy uses on us. He causes that fear to creep in. Then we begin to doubt God's faithfulness. See, God's faithfulness feels good in the moment, like when the burning bush happens, like, wow, I'm in the presence of God. Oh, this is wonderful, wonderful. Now I've got something for you to do. Hey, wait, 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 wait. I don't know if I can handle that. See, fear can also occur when there's a major task that God assigns to you. God says, I want you to do this for me. I want you to do this major task. I want you to do this. In fact, Solomon had been given this huge, massive responsibility to build this incredible temple in Jerusalem. And that was his responsibility. But truth be told, as you read through the scriptures, you see that the Solomon was a little bit intrepidatious about this whole task that was assigned to you. I mean, and, and, and how can he do this? And, and things like that. Fear can escalate and, and it can cause you to doubt God's faithfulness. Another thing that happens is fear can occur when you get discouraged. And I think this is another one of the big ones right here. It's a big one discouragement happens to us all. It does. But that's why we encourage ourselves in the Lord. That's one of the reasons you're here. In fact, one of my prayers all the time is that when we get together, people will leave encouraged so that discouragement will be dispelled. That keeps us going. But you know what? When when you feel discouraged, my goodness, can you even trust God? Is God even going to come through? Jeremiah, he's a great example of this. In fact, this is a guy, can you imagine? God appoints him as a prophet to Jerusalem and to Judah. Uh, he, he appointed him as a prophet at the time when the kingdom was literally crumbling and everything was falling apart. In fact, he's also known as the weeping prophet because he just cried a lot. He just whined like, oh, I don't like this. This is terrible. God, where are you? Why'd you leave? Why'd you do this? In fact, it's Jeremiah even got upset with God saying, God, why did you call me to do this? This is, I don't like this. I don't like this job you gave me. See, if discouragement could be overwhelming for the prophet Jeremiah, it could be overwhelming for us as well, and it gives way to fear, and, and we can't trust God's faithfulness because, because we're, we're just discouraged. But really what all this is, it's not just a fear that's conjured up in our head. It is something called a spirit of fear. Now, a spirit of fear is a spirit that comes from hell. And this spirit of fear, what it is, and you will recognize it because every one of us face it, okay? A spirit of fear is not like being afraid that you're going to be, uh, be hit by a car when you're walking across the street with your eyes closed. That's not a spirit of fear. That's like healthy fear, okay? But a spirit of fear is this, is this overwhelming uh, emotion that comes over you that causes you to be paralyzed and, 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 and you begin to doubt the faithfulness of God. God can't, can't come through for me. So whenever you feel fear and then feel that God is not coming through for you, Please recognize it. That is your identifier that you're not dealing with natural fear. You're dealing with a spirit of fear. So what we have to do is drive out the spirit of fear. And I want to teach you how to do that. We drive out the spirit of fear so that we can lean into the faithfulness of God. 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7. I like the way the Passion Translation says this. It says, God will never give you the spirit of fear but the Holy Spirit who gives you mighty power, love, and self-control. So God gives you the Holy Spirit with these three aspects of, of power, uh, of power, love, and self-control, also a sound mind. 
That's what God gives to you so that you can overcome every spirit of fear that comes into your life. And when you use this mighty power, you say, Holy Spirit, I need you. Fill me with your presence. Fill me with your life. Then you're not going to feel abandoned by God. You're not going to be walking in that abandonment from God. See, Paul wrote this to a church that he had planted in Rome. He wrote these words, and it's found in Romans chapter 15, verse 7. And this is regarding how Christians should be faithful toward each other. Because, you see, let's say, if, if you're giving into the spirit of fear, you can't trust in God's faithfulness, you can't be faithful back to God or His things, and you're not going to be faithful to other people. My goal here is for you to be faithful to God and faithful to other people by trusting in God's faithfulness. But spirit of fear tries to stop that. And, and, and it breaks down relationships. It does. It just breaks down relationships. It destroys so many relationships. I love it how Paul spoke to this church, his church, Romans chapter 15, verse 7. He said, accept one another. He's talking to Christians here in the church. So you're talking about people who are all, I I love it because kind of like what I was talking about last week, these are people from all socioeconomic backgrounds. These are people from Caesar's household around, as well as the poorest people of of the city. And he said, I want you to accept one another just as Christ accepted you. Pause there for a second. Do you know Jesus has accepted you? Jesus has accepted you. He's not looking at you, picking you apart. Like, well, you're not good enough for my kingdom. You're not good enough to take that. He doesn't do that. Thank God he doesn't do that. He's not going to. He's like, no. He's looking at you and he's saying, I love you. I gave my life for you and I want relationship with you. And so Paul says in the same way that Christ shows his acceptance of us, we're supposed to accept each other. And here's part of the reason why. It's because Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. So we accept one another. Now, guys, that's where faithfulness begins to work. It's when we really actually begin to accept one another. That's when, uh, that's when we, we begin to treat each other different. I, I, I tell you, the way we treat one another, I believe, is one of the biggest evidences of how our relationship with God is faring. Now I want you to look at Galatians 5.22, that last scripture I told you to look up. Galatians 5.22 should be underlined in your Bible and highlighted. It's a good one to memorize. Put it to memory this week. Because see, when the Spirit of God comes to dwell in us, what happens is we reproduce the character of God. This whole series has been about the character traits of God. But when His Spirit comes to live in us, this character trait of God, these character traits begin to flow out of our lives. And it's called the fruit of the Spirit. Okay? So think of yourself as a fruit tree. (laughs) I didn't say a fruit cake. I said a fruit tree. Okay? You see yourself as a fruit tree. So you're going to bear these different fruits. And these are the character traits of God because God lives in us. Okay, look at this. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. Like that? Forbearance, kindness, goodness. And then he goes on to say faithfulness. That is one of the attributes of God that's also a fruit of the Spirit faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. 
Against such things there is no law. <laughs> I, ch I challenge you today to be a person of faithfulness and reject the spirit of fear that's trying to hold you back. Trust in God's faithfulness and then become a person of faithfulness. But, but, but I want you to keep this in mind. Fruit doesn't just automatically appear. It doesn't just happen. Fruit is produced from healthy trees. I remember this when I first time we had moved to South Texas. My dad pastored a church in Harlingen, Texas, and it's in the Rio Grande Valley. Man, there are fruit trees everywhere. I love it. We got we got this house that had several fruit trees in the backyard, but when they were unhealthy, they didn't really produce fruit, or they produced scrawny fruit, or it wasn't even worth anything. It was of no value. But when we learned to to water and fertilize and trim it and take take care of the trees, man, I mean they were just robust with fruit. It's fun living where, there's, where there are robust fruit trees and then you get so much fruit you don't know what to do with it. Wouldn't, that, wouldn't you love for that to be the problem with your own life? You're producing so much good fruit. Like, wow. Some of you, you, you want to have better relationships with other people. But the reason your relationships with other people isn't good is because you're not bearing fruit. People aren't attracted. People are attracted to the fruit trees. Attracted to them. They're attracted to them. I remember when I lived again in South Texas, people would stop their cars and just walk over to orange or grapefruit orchards and they would just grab some. You aren't supposed to because that belongs to somebody else. They would just go pick some and jump back in their car. Why is there you're drawn to it? I have never seen anyone in the Midwest go out and pick wheat. It's like, oh, I needed some of this. want fruit to abound in your life, begin to in, indulge in the faithfulness of God and reject the spirit of fear. Don't let it control you. I'm just telling you guys, you can do this. God is on your side. God is with you. He's already modeled this for you. And he's saying, you can do this. He's saying, I want you to do this. I want you to walk in this. And God wants to build a faithful church for the last days. God wants to build a faithful church that's not going to bend, that's not going to, to, uh, to, to try to hide from the culture, but is going to be active and present in the culture in this very evil age that we live in. God wants to raise up faithful people and and a faithful church that's going to make a difference in these last days. And I want to be a part of that. God wants people to be rock solid, not like shifting sand in that. God wants people to be people of truth and stability, reliability, steadiness of character, trustworthy. And that, that's what God's calling every single one of us to do. And God wants to build his church on people like this. Last thing is when Jesus getting ready to leave he knew that he had to establish his church and he told Peter he said actually his name was Simon at that time he says I'm going to rename you Peter which means rock I want you to be a stable rock because I'm going to build my church on a rock I'm going to build my church on this I'm going to build my church on this time we have a Peter spirit in the church let's be strong Let's be like a rock. Make your life count. Be faithful because he is faithful. I'd like for everyone in this room just to 
lock yourself in with God and listen to the voice of the Holy Spirit. And if you're here this morning, you're not in right relationship with him, I just, I, I encourage you to make that relationship right and let his spirit come in you. You will begin to produce fruit in your life as you nurture the work of God in your life. You're going to become a different person. Old things will be passed away. All things will become new. That's what the scripture says. God wants to do that in each and every one of your lives. And if you're here today and you are not in relationship with Jesus Christ, before we leave here, I want you to make, I want to make sure that that happens. So with everyone examining yourself, Scripture says we're supposed to examine ourselves. Examine yourself. Are you serving God? Are you in right relationship with Him? Are you a Christian? And if not, if you question that, I want you to pray this prayer with me. But I want to lock my faith in with yours before we do so. So would you just, at the count of three, will you lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want you to include me in that prayer. Would you lift your hands at the count of three? One, two, three. That's me. Thanks. 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 Thank you. Y'all can put your hands down. I want to thank you for your honesty. Now, if you lifted your hand, I want you to pray this with me. I want you to pray this with me. In fact, church, I want you to pray this as well. In fact, congregation, will you all stand? Congregation, I want you to stand and pray this with me as an encouragement to those who are, who are, who are turning their lives around right now through the power of the Holy Spirit. Come on, pray these words with me. If you lifted your hand, pray it. Congregation, pray it as well. Dear Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Come into my life. Today, I make a clean break with the past. I thank you, God that even though I may not feel it, I am a new creation. Old things have passed away. All things have become new. Let your spirit come to live in me and let me produce the fruit of the spirit. Let me be a person of faithfulness. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. And if you prayed that prayer, listen up here. If you prayed that prayer, that's the best thing that could have happened today. That congregation, will you just will you honor those who prayed that prayer today? Good job. Now, I, we're still going to pray one more time. We're going to sing one more time because I'm not finished yet. I'm going to make you stand on the rest of the sermon here. But if you prayed that prayer with me, just to tell you this, I want you to mark one of those next cards, the decision you made today. Take it out there into the foyer, and there's someone right under the sign that says next who wants to give you a Bible, and we all want to partner with you in your progress as you begin serving God. But today, one of the things I feel strong in my heart is that we need to come against that spirit of fear that keeps rising up in our lives. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done with it. I'm done. You you just say, I'm done with being crippled. I'm done with being held back. I'm done with shrinking and hiding in the corner. Spirit of fear is not going to have a hold on my life. And I want you to pray for that right now. I'm going to pray for you. And then I'm going to have you repeat a prayer after me. But God, first of all, God, I just pray for every person in this room. Without exception, every single individual, I pray that a spirit of fear will be broken in lives. It will be broken in homes. It will be shattered. It will be defeated. It will be broken. No. No more spirit of fear. It will not overwhelm. It will not control in the name of Jesus Christ. I want you to pray these words with me. Say, Lord Jesus, I confess that a spirit of fear sometimes gets a hold of my life. But today I choose to defeat the spirit of fear with the power of the Holy Spirit, with a sound mind, with power, with love 
Jesus. Come on, say, Jesus, give me the strength and give me the resolve to stand tall against the spirit of fear. Come on, address the spirit of fear right now. Say, spirit of fear, you are not welcome in my home, in my car, in my business. You are not welcome in my city, on my street. (laughs) You are not welcome in my family. In the name of Jesus, because I'm a child of God. Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Have you discovered your street of influence? Whether it be family, government, business, arts and entertainment, faith, health and vitality, or education, head over to culturalstreets.com and discover your street today.